We Went Blues is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Blues tickets tend to drop in price right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. From my own personal experience, there are a lot of pluses about the GameTime app, but to me the best is it's easy to navigate. A lot of these apps to get tickets, you need a college master's degree, but I can find the exact seats that I want in the arena with no problem. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. And this is episode 13 of We Went Blues, and boy, do we have a fun one for you. We have a couple great guests today. We're going to start off with number five himself, Bobby Plager, and we'll wrap up. We have a conversation with David Prawn that we recorded after practice today, Barrett and I. I tell you what, guys, I'm honored just to be here with the two of you. I know, Barrett, you've looked up for uh, to Bobby for a long time. You, of course, wore his number uh, for years. What's this like to sit here and do a podcast with Bobby? Uh, to have it actually recorded, we'll uh, we'll check the uh, the censorship. But uh, yeah, I've uh, spent a lot of time with Bobby, and uh, you know, heard a lot about uh, his past. But uh, this is uh, you know pretty special to uh, share this with our uh, listeners. And Bobby, thanks for joining us out here in the alumni room. I know we can't uh, tell the people exactly what this looks like, but you've been with the organization since day one, and to be in this, this is quite a place. Well, we've come a long way. Uh, you know, you look at the Blues, uh, their dressing rooms now, what they have uh, with the exercise rooms and uh, everything that they have compared to what we used to have. So it, it's very modern, very nice to come in here and sit. Uh, it's an unbelievable how far we've come. Before we tell a couple stories, that's what you're known for, your great stories. How about have you come down from the euphoria of that Stanley Cup, being in that parade? It was such a pleasure to see you in the back of that car in that parade down Market Street. Have you come down yet? Well, I've come down a little, but, you know, it's hard to come down because there are so many people, so many fans in this city that uh, no matter where you go, they come up and they congratulate you, and they're so happy. So you'll never be able to say, well, that's it now. Let's get serious or do something because of the fans that are in here and what it did for the city. And uh, we've come down a little, but I think there's a lot of fans out there that uh, are still on the high. So, you know, with all the celebrations and all that, what do you think the, uh, you know, kind of the biggest fan or, or story that really comes out and, and sticks with you from, you know, talking to the fans after and how excited they were? Uh, you know, can you just explain or, or just tell us, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a, a day one fan or, or somebody, uh, you know, a, a 10, 11-year-old like uh, your grandson, uh, Jacob? Well, it's right there, the number one fan and the person who... Uh celebrated more and more excited than I've ever seen and that's why I'm so glad it happened with my daughter I mean my daughter was in the middle of everything and uh, uh, to win it and the celebration and uh, that's why it was so good for me it was the day of the parade uh, to be in the car going down uh, not having Holly in front of me but uh, <laughs> in my car uh, you know I looked and uh, there's my daughter and my grandson and my granddaughter and my son, and just to look at them going down the the look in their face and the celebration, I said, "Boy, it was 
made you very proud in uh, what was happening. But my biggest fan in this whole thing was, uh, it's my daughter. And uh, when the cup was in town and we were taken around to different establishments, uh, my daughter told her husband, uh, you stay at home, I'm going with the cup. And uh, she showed up uh, everywhere with the cup. So that, that's uh, the number one fan. But now it's, uh, you know, you win it. There's a lot of young fans there with this city how they come together for this year, what happened in this city to, on the run we made to win the Stanley Cup. Young people, but when you win the Stanley Cup and I go around now, it's for the uh, people that were going to the games in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, there was a lot of tears. People come up. I mean, this is what they've been waiting for uh, 40-some years, 50-some years for these people. So that's... Winning it, it, it's for them. It's for those people, those fans that have been with us for 40, 50 years. And talking about your daughter, Melissa, when you got your day with the cup, she planned that, and she told her husband, Dave, that she had more fun planning that than she did their wedding. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yeah, she apologized to him. She says, you know, maybe you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I've had more fun, and this has been better than uh, planning for our wedding. And uh, and she did a great job. I mean, that's – and, you know, it's you talk about my grandson and my granddaughter – I was out the other day at a banquet. I did a banquet, a speaking thing, and uh, I can't bring the Stanley Cup, but I bring the ring. Our Stanley Cup rings are unbelievable. So you bring the ring, you let the people touch the rings and wear the ring, which uh, my daughter was with me uh, just a couple nights ago, and then she took the ring home, and she sent pictures. My grandson holding it with a smile on his face. The next picture was him in bed with it on his pillow, sleeping with it. And uh, the next day, it was my granddaughter. It was her turn to uh, sleep with the ring. So, uh, I mean, my grandkids, this is very, very special. And before we uh, move on from the Stanley Cup, I just wanted to ask you about that day taking the cup to Barclays Cemetery. You were nice enough to invite me, and I I tagged along and got to witness that moment. What a great moment in Blues history and for your family. Now, looking back, that couldn't have gone any better, could it? Well, you know, you, you always make a little promise there, and I always said, when we win the Stanley Cup... The first place, if I get it, the first place I'm taking it is to the Barks grave. And, you know, when we got up there, it was very special. His family was there. And, you know, you realize now, Bark didn't get to see his, uh, any of his kids get married. He didn't see his grandkids. So to be out there to look around with Bark and his wife, his four kids, all his grandkids and all the relatives, uh, very, very special. And not only with Bark, I think when we looked up there, too, it was a... Uh, you know, you start thinking about Noel and Jimmy Roberts, Al Harbor, and all the players from the first year. So very, very special. And, you know, I had a drink. We had the Stanley Cup with some champagne in it. Took a drink out of it. We poured some on Bark's grave for him. And then uh, his family, we all raised a little uh, Bud Light <laughs> and had a drink. And, you know, it was for Bark, and we poured a little on the grave site. Then all the grandkids, they seen this. Well, they all come over, and they all got beer, opened them up, and they were pouring it on the grave, and they'd say, that's for you, Grandpa, this is for you. And I said, boy, I, said, I don't know who's there beside him, but if he ever wakes up, he's going to have one heck of a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you mentioned a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the former players that have passed, and, and a lot of them, uh, you know, very recently. And, um, you know, in your career, you had a lot of close friends and, and a lot of tight teams that you played with, but uh, you know, who kind of had the biggest influence on your career, uh, especially early on? And, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the stories about uh, how you were brought in. 
well, my career is my biggest, and everybody knows my brother Bark. I mean, I got to see him play, and I know the way he played. He went out there in a 60-minute game. He didn't cheat anybody. He went, and he was a team player. And just uh, just to follow him, he was my hero. And uh, when I was here the first years, you watched uh, your team captain, Al Arbor. Here's a guy that was not that big, a little skinny, wore glasses when he played. But uh, he was a team captain. You'd see him come in after a game. His whole body would be black and blue because he would block shots. He would throw his body in front of the shots, played with injuries. So he was uh, one of the heroes. And then we got a guy, Dickie Moore, in here, uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, uh, a leader, a guy that's won maybe seven, eight Stanley Cups. But the same thing, uh, team player. You were a team, and you learned how to play from him every shift. You didn't cheat and... Uh, we found out if you didn't want to play during the game, uh, don't show up at practice the next day with Dickie Moore because there'd be a lot of blood left on the ice. <laughs> so you learned if you don't want to do it in the game, yeah, we'll see you at practice. So there are so many. I had so many people that uh, are big influence. Uh, Scotty Bowman, the greatest coach, you said in there. Emil Francis, my coach and junior, very good. Freddie Shero was a big influence on me. The coach coached Philly to their uh, first Stanley Cup. So. There's so many in the players, and it's what uh, Barrett said. In those days, you were a team, you were a family. I mean, you had more fun, you partied together. But one thing you'd learn in those days, when you stepped on the ice, you played for each other, you played for the team, the Blue Note, you played for the owners, you played for the fans. So get on that step on that ice, and it's every shift you went because you're playing for one another. Barrett, you know, as a player uh, who was here for a long time, walking around the locker room hallways, the practice facility, the game facility, Bobby's there every single day. And I realize, you know, organizations all have their rich history, but to, to see this guy on a daily basis, know the respect that people had for him, what did it mean to the organization to have a guy like Bobby? Well, it was great. Uh, you know, you come in the locker room and, you know, sometimes Bobby would be getting out of the hot tub for his, uh, from his workout. And, uh, you know, you, you sit there, especially early on in my career, it was, uh, it was always special to see him around. And, uh, you know, guys like Bobby, you got Al McInnes around, uh, you know, Kelly Chase, uh, you know, and, and, you know, before last year was around all the time. So you got a lot of guys with a lot of experience and, and really uh, had a lot of pride in the, uh, in the blue note. And, uh, to have those guys around and just you know just talk to whether it's just you know everyday life or you know stories about the past it's uh, it's always special to have those people and Bobby you basically handpicked uh, Barrett to wear number five you're the one that kind of gave your seal of approval there you watched him grow up and become the player and the man he is well we had a a scout that was in here that was uh, you know the six teams in the NHL there was a guy named Patty Janelle was the toughest player was one of those guys that would show up every game but when there's six teams in the NHL is very tough to make and Patty uh, didn't get to play in the NHL but I had more respect for him he was the coach out west and he was the I think in the top 50 years he was picked the number one coach but he liked the tough players he looked for the tough players he so I know him and my brother uh, they got along very good so Patty was in there and he go to the draft he'd have players or during the year he'd have players that he really likes watch this kid I really like this kid and he had brought uh, Barrett's name up long before the draft he said if this guy's ever available we get a chance this is the guy we want to get this is so it went on and you hear about uh, Barrett from Pat all the time and then at the day of the draft we go to the draft and it's uh, 
Patty used to say, he's old-time hockey. You got, he could play with you guys. You guys love to have him on your team, this guy here. And I got to see Barrett play. Went to Regina, watched him play a few times. And he was the captain, and the way he played, he stuck up for his players. He showed up every night, every shift. and So you do like him the way he plays. But the day of the draft, and uh, I don't know what Barrett, what did you go, 50? Uh, 17. 17th. But you sit there, and we know the top five or six like this here, and then you get to eight. Team would pick eight. He says, "My guy's still there." <laughs> then you go nine. He's still there, and you're ten. Then you're going to the fifth. Now it's the fifteenth, and Patty just sitting there, and he's looking. They pick somebody else, and he, he's still there. He's still there. <laughs> and the, the next, the sixteenth player then goes, and it's not him. And he goes, "We got our guy. I got my guy. I got my guy." <laughs> so he's the happiest guy there, and then we draft him, and uh, we get him here. And, and all he could say, Bob, you're going to love him. He's, he's your type of player. You're your brother. He could play for you guys. So, again, I said I'd seen him play and watched him. And number five was in there, and it's the sweater. And sometimes you worry about who's going to get the sweater, or sometimes you don't have the right guy to get it. And so it had been put away, and the, nobody was wearing it. So I said, when he comes in here, give him number five, number five, because old-time hockey and the way he plays. And I seen me. He played like a player or something. <laughs> so and that's that's what he got. And I'll tell you, it's, uh, couldn't ask for a better guy to wear number five. Uh, I've been very fortunate in St. Louis because uh, there's three. Well, besides me, there's two other number fives that my brother loved, loved the other one, was Rob Ramage. And nobody wore number five better than Rob Ramage. And in fact, Barrett maybe myself, but you can look up to Rob Ramage. So I'd say there's three of us there, and, and I say this now, I have my number five hanging in the rafters, but it wouldn't bother me at all, or I think it would be great if they put, uh, they could add two more names to that, Ramage and Barrett Jackman. That's some high praise. Yeah, we'll start the petition uh, tomorrow for that. But uh, no, it's uh, you know to be called uh, you know you know approved by the uh, by the plaguers and and to uh, uh, just have the uh, those words that you said just means uh, means a whole lot to me too, Bobby. Well, you know Patty Janelle, what a what a guy he was. Patty Patty Janelle, I got to tell you one story. He was with Detroit six teams in the National Hockey League. Patty Janelle went to training camp Detroit, broke his wrist early in training camp, took the black tape that you skate, uh, tape your stick with, would tape his wrists before every practice. Never told a person that he had a broken wrist because he didn't want them saying, well, now you might as well go home or something. But he said that's how tough this guy was. He took the black tape, taped his wrist, and went through a whole training camp that way yeah. to try and make the team. He didn't want anybody to know he was hurt. But the best, mm -hmm. Barrett will tell you you love that guy. Well, the news of the today out here is that the Blues have signed a couple tryout guys, uh, Jamie McGinn and, and Troy Brower, and we're wondering, what about Barrett? How about signing Barrett to a tryout? What do you think? Well, they might as well, yeah. <laughs> we can bring that number five back and <laughs> for sure. Well, I don't think he can do it, though, because now he's a, he's a podcast guy. Uh, what do, you, do you think you ever see the day where Barrett's doing a podcast? Well, I always wonder what he was going to do when he finished playing hockey. <laughs> You know, he'll be doing a great job. You know, you start off like this here, then you do, you know, you start doing very good, and then you get the right partner, and your career takes off. <laughs> so he needs a different partner? Is that well, what you're I'm saying? I'm not saying anything, but... Uh... <laughs> 
Well, Bobby, we did have our first uh, erectile dysfunction uh, ad read on our podcast last week. So, <laughs> guess know. who had to read it? Yeah, so it's obviously uh, doing doing okay if we're getting those kind of ads. Yeah. <laughs> but Bobby, as you know, Barrett, he is so in tune with the team. You know, he's got the stories that go back to day one. But he doesn't even have to watch the entire game, you know, live. And he'll know how everybody's playing. He's got a report on everybody in his uh, mind there. And some way he can tell you who's playing well and, and who's not playing well. Yeah, well, he's he, he's got his uh, his walks uh, up in the concourse and all that. And and Bobby, I know you've kind of passed on some of this uh, superstitious uh, tendencies on to your uh, to your daughter and uh, your your grandkids as well. You tell talk about Melissa and, and some of the things she does during her uh, youth hockey uh, games. Oh, yeah, my daughter is the same. First of all, let me tell you something now. Hockey fans, you found out when we're making our run to go to the Stanley Cup and to win the Stanley Cup, every hockey fan, I'd say 98% of the hockey fans are superstitious because everybody I've talked to and you talk to, oh, yeah, I sat here, I would go here, I wore these clothes, I did this here. I t-. So every fan, I'm not the only one that's superstitious that does Every fan, I bet you people that are listening right now, they did something during that, uh, and they were there. And my daughter, it's like she would take a picture at this here so she could remember what they were all wearing when they went to the hockey game. And you win a hockey game in the playoffs, you come home, she would fold the clothes to another bedroom. She would lay them all out in that bedroom to make sure you're wearing the same clothes when you go. Yeah, and I was going to say something earlier, but I'm trying to get over some of these things. But I didn't like that we're podcast number 13. <laughs> right? Right. We'll call it 14. <laughs> podcast 14. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a riot. Yeah, podcast uh, 12.1. Yeah. We'll call it, yes. We'll change that. Well, as we wrap up here, Bobby, we wanted to get your thoughts on this year's team since you do pay such close attention. You know, everybody talks about the Stanley Cup hangover, and we'll talk about it with David Braun in our next interview. Uh, but off to a really good start. This year, uh, the team, maybe not every single night, but they're getting their job done. Well, you look at the standings, they're getting their job done. We're winning the games, and it doesn't matter how you say you win them, and it's a lot of the overtime. But, you know, they talk about the the hangover, the Stanley Cup hangover. And, you know, when we played Montreal Canadiens, the greatest team wins seven Stanley Cups. And you got to love that team because it's. I don't think it's a hangover. I think it's every team that comes in to St. Louis – the first game they look, doesn't matter, you're the Stanley Cup champs. And everybody is going to up their game and play better because they're playing the Stanley Cup champs. So maybe your team may, at the start of the year, come here, don't realize that they're in for a tough game every night. It's, uh, and, that, and that's what, we are the champs. So when every team, I know when I played, you played the Montreal Canadiens, you upped your game because they were the Stanley Cup champs. So, uh, Montreal, I always said, never had an easy game because even the worst team in hockey is going to play their best and be up for it. So uh, what's going on now? And it's uh, coaching's uh, doing a good job, the coaching, and uh, our goaltenders, both of them, they've given our guys the chance. I mean, we go to the games, you see the first period, boom, 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 there's a couple of good scoring chances. Our goalies make the save, so we're not coming from one nothing or 2 nothing behind. We're in the game, and they give us a chance to uh, get our legs and get going, so... And I know the goaltending because we happen to have Jock Plant and the greatest Glenn Hall. So we weren't that good a hockey team, but we had great <laughs> goaltenders. Uh, they gave us a chance to win and uh, go to the uh, finals. 
That's the legend number five in your program, number one in your hearts, Bobby Plager, and I'll let you say it. This is episode number... 14. 14 of We Went Blues, the podcast. Uh, Barrett, uh, what a pleasure to honor one of your mentors. Absolutely. Uh, love uh, love hearing stories and talking with Bobby, and uh, we're definitely going to have you on for uh, many more episodes in the uh, in the future. And uh, stay tuned. In just uh, a minute, we're going to have our interview with David Prawn that we did after practice today. He is Mr. Overtime, scored in overtime again to beat the Calgary Flames on Saturday. The Blues back in action on Tuesday. Hear from David Prawn, number 57 for the Blues, coming up next on We Went Blues, episode number 14. We told you we would bring you some Blues players as guests on the podcast this year, and who else, uh, who better to bring Jax into the conversation than David Perron, a.k.a. Mr. Overtime? Yeah, the little French guy has been uh, playing pretty good, so uh, welcome to the show there, David. You're our first guest, so feel uh, feel pretty uh, pretty proud and privileged for that. Well, thanks for having me, guys, uh, for sure. I can think of definitely a few names before me that uh, would be good to bring on, but uh, definitely nice to to come on and uh, I like the name as well <laughs> you like the name uh, what do you recall from that moment we're down at the arch grounds it's the uh, the rally after the parade the end of it and uh, number 16 Brett Hall is up on stage pretty funny yeah I mean we we obviously uh, remember that a lot we've watched it over and over over the summer guys uh, on our group chat we all summer we kept sending uh, funny videos of either the parade or just any of the celebration basically that that we could find, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it, obviously, and uh, it was special to see Holly, uh, and again, all the alumni that have been part of this organization to, to celebrate with us, I thought was one of the coolest part for sure. Now we have uh, Barrett Jackman doing a podcast. This is a great friend of yours. He was uh, with the Blues when you broke into the league, probably responsible for a lot of the stuff you learned along the way. What do you think about him in the media now? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure yet, but we'll find out. I'm sure he's enjoying his time, and uh, obviously it was a special teammate for me. He helped me a lot to, uh, in my first few years to kind of become a professional and, and, and get to know the league and everything. So um, it's always special to see him, and uh, same with Walt, all those guys that, that helped me along the way, and um, I'm glad to, to be on today. Jack, didn't you warn him not to do this stuff? Yeah, I told him never talk to the media and uh, never trust the media. So he's uh, he's kind of looking at me a little sheepishly uh, right now. But yeah, he was always fun. I always tried to uh, you know instill some wisdom, but have fun. And uh, he's always been a hard worker and a uh, great teammate. And uh, you know, it's it's definitely paying off right now with the uh, with the uh, success he's he's having. So uh, you didn't listen to Jackson. We're thankful for that since you're doing this podcast with us. Hey. Uh, uh, David, we want to talk to you about the success of the team, the success that you're having right now. First, the team. Everybody talked about the Stanley Cup hangover, and uh, the Blues and Boston Bruins would probably go through that. You especially, because you guys had all your cup celebrations. And now you look at the league standings, and both of you guys are right there at the top. Just what was this like getting back to game action so quickly, and, and do you feel like there's been any sort of hangover? Um, I mean, I, I think that we just found ways to win game every night. Um, it's not that it's been pretty all the time. Mostly, uh, I think at the start of the year, we just kept finding ways to win games, and uh, we certainly weren't playing that good of uh, of a game. But uh, I think recently our, our trip, uh, it was really solid hockey with the uh, Vancouver game, Edmonton, Calgary. I was really impressed with that. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's my second year for me that I, I had a short summer with Vegas. We went to the cup final. We lost, and... I uh, was really um, surprised with the way we, I, I felt pretty good last year starting the year and um, again this year. So it's, um, I think much of the guys are feeling the same way. 
Is there anything that you did differently in the uh, the off season? I know you know with with three months of training, do you take more time off? Do you uh, hit the weights right away? What uh, what's the uh, the different thing you had to do? <laughs> well, it's quite different for sure. Uh, it's nice when you have a, a longer summer, but obviously it's a lot nicer winning. And um, I just think you're really your August is the the month that, the month that you have to really prepare and and do everything the right way to to be ready for the season and. Um, even though you skate less, you train less, but you've played hockey for such a long time in, in the important months of the year that um, it just comes back to you right away. And the, the bond that we have in the room right now, when we came in, you look at each other and it's almost like you've, you saw the next guy uh, the week before because we, we just won together in a special bond that we'll have forever. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. There have been so many games where maybe you guys didn't play your best or maybe you're trailing going into the third period, but it seems like you pull from that championship pedigree and find a way to win games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's It's been really impressive, and uh, especially also on, on back-to-backs. I, I think we have three of them right now, and we've been pretty successful. And um, I think the way Jake played also in Edmonton was uh, was really special. He had an unbelievable game. And uh, you you play a guy like Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. You see the way they, uh, they had points, I think, the other night uh, against Anaheim. I think both of them had four points. Uh, Connor with a hat trick. So they're special players, and we were able to... Um, minimize their uh, their uh, I guess game and uh, Jake was a big part of it. So David, with you know you've played on five different teams now. Just uh, just thinking about all the stuff that you've gone through and and drawing on uh, experience from from other players. Who do you think uh, that you've played with? You know guys like uh, uh, Flurry and, and and Crosby and you know Ryan Reeves and a couple different teams. But uh, who are some of the players that you know kind of surprised you uh going to the team and 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 getting to learn from well i'm actually i think that's one of the things that helped me a lot even though that you want to play on one team your whole career but just seeing different organizations seeing different leaders uh the way uh, they can interact with different different guys young guys older guys whatever and um i think my time with anaheim was uh special in a way that uh you would probably uh be familiar with those guys but Corey perry kessler BX, so I walked in that room. I'm like, oh my god, it's, there's no way these guys will welcome me. It's been we've been battling for years, and all the way from the time in Vancouver with BXO, and he, he was basically the guy that uh, called me right away. And we happened to live uh, near each other, so we rode together to the rink every day. And um, I think he's one of the guys that helped me a lot, even though I was only there for for a few months. But we're still in touch. We talk um, probably once uh, every couple weeks, and. Um, another guy uh, that helped me a lot was Ryan Getzlaff. After my time, uh, obviously playing with Sid, all those guys, um, they all had a, an impact. Uh, but it didn't work out as, as well as I wanted or the team wanted in Pittsburgh uh, for me. And it was a tough time. And uh, I was lucky to, to play on the line with Ryan Getzlaff that year. And uh, he's helped me so much. He's, he's such a great leader. And he's uh, very poised and very, he gives a lot of confidence to, to his line mates. And uh, I think he's one of the guys that had the most influence on my career. Along those lines, Perry, I think Jax is a guy that everybody in St. Louis knows yeah. that he's well-respected. I'm sure there, there were some things that you took from him in your early years that in your other stops you were able to apply, hey, this is something that, that Jax would uh, appreciate. Uh, some things that stick out in your mind in terms of how you were able to carry yourself better after being teammates with him? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I think what I meant by going to other organizations is you kind of get every, all the package that you have from your early years and 
it's it's almost like you put it all together a little bit uh, better after that because you had those experience and I, I mentioned Walt and I men- mentioned Jackson they're probably the two biggest guys in my first uh, three four years that helped me to uh, either from tough love or different ways but uh, to help me become uh, a better uh, teammate or a better pro in different ways and uh you don't always see uh, why uh, guys do certain things right away, but uh, when it comes together, uh, I think you appreciate all the moments. And um, I don't, I don't think I can pick any moment, but I just know that he's always been there for me uh, from the time I lived my second year in uh, Walks's condo, and I lived basically uh, in the backyard of of Jacks, and he was always there. Anything I needed, whatever, or. Um, Back then, cell phones weren't weren't even that big just yet. But any direction, I don't know. Like it could be anything. Really, they were there for me, so it was awesome. How about uh, you know me teaching you how to score uh, overtime goals too? Do you think uh, you, you got a little bit finally rubbing off on you this year? Yeah, it's all those big goals that you scored in the playoffs. There, uh, I remember a couple uh, those wristers that would find their way, and that was nice. Uh, no, I don't know. Like it's another thing. Um, my early years, um, I wasn't getting uh, a lot of overtime. Obviously, you're a young guy, whatever. I think the game is obviously way different with young guys getting opportunities a little bit sooner now. And um, when I went to Vegas, it's really the first time I played consistently in overtime. And uh, I, I think I scored two or three, maybe four goals that year in overtime. Same thing. And like I just remember the first one I scored, how much it gave me. Um, how much confidence it gave me to, to kind of carry that over uh, to other games and things like that. So um, it's definitely a nice same thing this year and um, getting a chance to play with O'Reilly uh, obviously will give you good looks, uh, give you confidence uh, much uh, similar to, to Getzlaff. And um, I think for me with, with my skating, the way it is, um, it's, it's not my strength and I'm, I got to keep up as much as I can. But slowing down the game, a guy like O'Reilly does that, a guy like Getzlaff does that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it works well with him. What about the shot? You've been talking about that a lot lately. It's something that you changed a couple of years ago, your stick and, and your shaft. And you mentioned that it's kind of the young players in the league. You know, you're always trying to learn and adapt. Yeah. And, uh, and so you've done something different here, and it seems to be paying off in terms of bringing that puck, that toe drag, pulling it in and getting rid of it. Well, yeah, definitely. I think for me, as I know how much work I've put in my life to try and be a better hockey player, and definitely on my shot from a young age, I, I, I shot pucks like crazy in nets and on the wall in the summers. I still do. And I, I couldn't figure out why they were shooting the puck better than me. And I was not that I was frustrated, but I was looking around trying to, to figure it out. And you see the young guys, like we grew up with wood sticks, and uh, when we got one piece sticks, we basically, I was 14 years old playing with a 110 flex, and now I'm 31 playing with a 75 flex, which is a lot softer. Uh, you can release the puck in different ways. You can release it closer to your feet because you're loading the stick as, as I pull it in, like the shot that you're talking about. And again, it's the Matthews, Line A, those guys coming in. Um, I was two years ago, three years ago at Vegas, and I'm sitting beside uh, Marsha so in the room. And I, I just basically end up grabbing a stick, and I tried it, and that's the stick I'm playing with still today. And, um, no, I think there's different ways that, as young guy, you have to learn from um, veteran guys like Jackson, Walt, and the guys that I mentioned with Dougie Waite, uh, another guy that I learned a lot from. Uh, but I, I appreciate young, uh, learning from young guys as well. 
Yeah, you know, when you're when you're coming up in the league, you got to look at everything. And uh, you know, Dougie Waite was one of those examples of you know would try everything. Uh, uh, and I know, you know, back in the day, you you would go to different sports stores and try every different stick on the rack to see if something yeah. maybe felt better. So, uh, you know, I remember that. I think it was in Ottawa when you're you know you're shooting for a couple hours and you had blisters uh, blisters on your hands. So, uh, but yeah, it's something you got to learn from uh, from all these players. And, and you know, you, you never know that little edge might uh, might give you something. Well, I I definitely think that if I didn't do, didn't do this switch, I wouldn't have uh, the same success. And um, you're right that I always looked around me, and I still do uh, to try and find ways to get better as either a player or a person. And um, it's tough to do that when you've put in so many hours. You've you've basically uh, been around ten years in the league, and and you still have to find ways to reinvent yourself and and keep getting better and from that uh, I got a couple obviously opportunities uh, again I'll bring up O'Reilly and, and even Chief to give me the, the chance to play with consistent line mates it's not something that we've seen a lot uh, either in St. Louis or in my career I haven't done that a lot so uh, it's pretty special I'm, I'm lucky chemistry is such a weird thing like we're doing podcast number 13 today and Jackson and I are still looking for chemistry we, we, <laughs> we don't have it yet but you seem to have it with a certain player out there Ryan O'Reilly you just touched on him why have you guys been able to be so good together well I would say again it's the opportunity for me to play with him consistently and um, last year when he came on um, I think with the lack of success of our team the coaches were looking at different combination and uh, I, I was putting a lot of work after practice with him, and I was kind of hoping one day I'll, I'll come in the room and I'll play with him. And uh, I think the first game we played together last year was in Toronto, middle of the game, and we ended up scoring two or three goals as a line the next day or next game in Winnipeg, same thing. So I, I knew that maybe there was something there. And again, our team w- was still not finding the success, so there was a lot of shuffling around. And uh, when Chief kind of took over, he, he really gave me the chance to... Uh, and that's, that's what happened. I, I was healthy scratch last year, middle of December, and um, it's really tough to take as an older guy. And, uh, but I tried to take it from all the experience, again, that, that you gather your whole career instead of take it in negatively. Like I was trying to t- take that into a positive. And uh, with the experience, the number of years I had, um, with the success I had with Vegas the year before, I had a really tough meeting with, with uh, Chief, and I told him everything that I thought respectfully. And, and I, I'm really lucky that he turned that around, gave me a really good opportunity to like consistently playing with O'Reilly and basically taking off from there. So hopefully it stays like that. Yeah, the chemistry you guys have, but, uh, you know, O'Reilly, you know, a lot of the, uh, the you know, the common uh, fan really don't appreciate everything uh, that he does. Can you just explain some of the just little things defensively or, or smarts in the offensive zone that, that really uh, make him stand out uh, above everybody else? Yeah, yeah, he does it all. I think he just, he's just got all the little details. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in, into everything just from the face-offs uh, perspective. Either, either in D-zone or O-zone, we always have something set up that um, it's either going to be a play that goes through me, through Sanford, whatever, but it's unbelievable. The stick position is a defensive position in the D zone. Um, I think it's something that you appreciate more as you go into your career. Uh, you see the guys that do it all for the team, and he's uh, definitely a guy that does that. And, and with uh, your chemistry, I mean, you're talking about Chief keeping you guys together, but I think if you keep putting up points like this, I don't think he's going to no, take I, you apart. No, I, I get that part. It's, it's working, but what I mean by that is I, I never, after the meeting that we had, uh, you don't know where it's, it's going to go. 
obviously we're looking for anything and I don't think it was to single me out necessarily or maybe it's to get the attention of everyone in the room as well uh, but I know it wasn't just against me it was just trying to find success for the team and that's really what matters at the end of the day uh, but for me I just felt like at the time I was in a position also to to kind of stick up for myself a little bit and say hey here's the role I had last year in Vegas I didn't really have that before in my life and I, I produced so I think that if I have it again, I would like to do it again. Um, so uh, that's what I meant by he gave me the chance. And obviously, we have to keep doing it every single night for it to, to stay together. I, I get that part. Uh, Ori is one of our best players on the team. If he's not our best, and I'm just lucky to be on his line right now, and it's working. Has anybody else in this room been a healthy scratch as a veteran? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely me. Yeah, uh, had one uh, under Andy Murdog, and uh, <laughs> and then a few in uh, in Nashville at the end of the career. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's, it's tough to uh, to swallow, and sometimes it is just a uh, an overall uh, you know wake up call for the entire team and, and calling somebody out. So, uh, but yeah, you definitely you, you got to uh, take it the right way. You got to come back and battle, and and uh, you've definitely done that. But uh, as well, we want to kind of end this on a little bit lighter note. I know you've played with some, uh, you know, a few uh, pranksters in your day, and uh, I know uh, you know Flurry and, and Revel are both two guys that are uh, always kind of fooling around, always on the uh, scheming side of things. But do you have any uh, any stories of those guys or or anybody in your career that uh, you can kind of uh, let us in on? <laughs> I think I think Bozak's a guy that's uh, pretty uh, undercover for that. He's he just loves staring the pot, um, either on the plane or wherever on the road. Uh, we have a really I think he's one of the guys that um, no one really talks about, but he just brings a group together. Um, it's just consistently there's always something. He just tears the pot for everything and anything uh, with me and all right, whatever our our connection. Um, other guys, I, I think Flurry obviously it's just doing it all I think one of my favorite I don't know he loves bringing that story up and I'll say it I guess Um, we would get on the road and he would just grab one of the young guys key and basically try and like uh, (laughs) there you go Jax you got your phone uh, on vibration now Steiner's calling calling. right, he's listening to the podcast probably (laughs) Um, he's saying don't tell the story about me (laughs) no but um, Flurry would get in the the young guy's room and basically take everything apart and put it in the the lobby of that floor so when the young guy would walk in he'd walk by a bed to a nightstand everything and then he would get to his room and be empty so he he would have to basically go back to the the lobby of that floor and grab everything uh, or either call downstairs and have them figure it out. But uh, he's done that a few times for sure. Jax, how, how proud are you are of number 57 here? You've watched him grow. I think he's in his fifth or sixth stint with the Blues now. You've come back a few times. Just I got a couple more in me too. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to leave and come back. There's an expansion draft coming up. Exactly. You think they'll uh, protect you this time? Uh, just how proud are you of this guy? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, coming in as a 19-year-old and, uh, you know, kind of – you know, not really speaking a lot of English and, and coming to a team. Yeah, well, you know, we'll make fun of that uh, later. But you made me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, just coming in and, and really, uh, you know, only playing a couple of years of uh, very competitive hockey and, and uh, you know, fitting in and, and learning a lot. Uh, he, he was a very, uh, very skilled player, but uh, learning both sides of the uh, of the ice and defensive side of it and, and uh, you know, continuing to get uh, all these contracts uh, from Doug Armstrong. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the pitchers later, what you have on them. But, uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's definitely just proud of him, just the way that uh, you know he's he's been a, a rock for this team, uh, especially this year, and uh, you know that's uh, you know I'll take all the credit in the world for uh, for bringing him up like uh, like like my son. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know what? I I got the picture that I'll release if Army doesn't protect me the next time. So we'll see. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, this was a fun one. Episode number 13 of We Went Blues, and we hope that that number 13 doesn't jinx the success here of uh, number 57. He's been terrific all year. David, we thank you for joining us. It was it was fun, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you very much, guys. Three, two, one. Well, that was David Prawn of the St. Louis Blues. We want to thank him today for his time, as well as the legendary Bobby Plager, number five. That was episode 13 of We Went Blues. Just don't tell Bobby and David that we kept that number. We look forward to bringing you episode number 14 on Friday. That one is only for subscribers. If you would like to subscribe, it's go to theathletic.com and subscribe to We Went Blues. For Barrett Jackman, the former Blues defenseman, and myself, Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic St. Louis had a blast today and look forward to chatting with you on Friday.